This week in Dokkan Gamer, a little Capcom loving. More and more I find myself wondering if it's all worth fighting for. Maybe one day I'll find out. I should have seen it coming. It didn't take long after the fall of the Umbrella Corporation and their bioweapons to end up in the hands of terrorists. A new era of bioterrorism descended upon vulnerable countries, shifting the balance of power throughout the region. People in the destabilized areas who feared another incident at Raccoon City was inevitable. My name is Sheva Alamar. Welcome to episode 12 of The Kung Gamer, and thank you again for listening, you guys. And this week, we will be talking about all Capcom this week. Yes, yes, Capcom, Capcom, and Capcom once again. So, I mean, why Capcom this week in particular? Well, for those of you who have been paying attention to the PSN and perhaps Xbox Live um, updates... Uh, the Resident Evil 5 demo just came out quite recently, um, the other week for Xbox Live, and just this week for the PSN. And I just finished downloading it uh, a few days ago, and I have, I've got to say, it's looking really, really good. And, you know, permit me to be a fanboy, uh, but, you know, I really, really do love the work of Capcom ever since. So, you know, um, introduction was, uh... A snippet from one of the RE5 um, trailers, and so this week uh, I, I want to talk about basically Resident Evil 5, uh, Resident Evil 5 demo in highest score. Now I know the game hasn't been released yet, um, but you know I haven't been playing any other game aside from Prince of Persia, and I haven't bought any other game aside from um, Prince of Persia uh, for the last. Three weeks? Three weeks? Yeah, probably around three weeks. And so I don't really have anything to review right now. Um, not a lot of significant releases quite yet, but although um, a lot of people have been um, releasing their reviews for Killzone 2 already, but, you know, I'm not really all that excited uh, about um, Killzone all that much, although it looks really, really gorgeous. But, you know, this week was really all about Capcom, and you'll know why later on especially in the Game Over segment. But, um, you know, I think it's a very timely, uh, you know, time? It's very timely for me to basically talk about Resident Evil 5 since, you know, the demo just came out and just permit me to basically um, review it um, even though it hasn't been completely released yet. So, from what I know, I guess, uh, the demo that came out for uh, Resident Evil is basically the build that um, reviewers and, you know, industry journalists have um, gotten their hands on of late. I mean, I, d I don't know if there have been any updates or whatever, but, you know, as far as I know, that's what, you know, um, the demo is, actually. It's not updated or anything. And I actually don't even know when Resident Evil is coming out, but I'm really, really thankful that they did release the demo as early as they did. 
Um, I wasn't actually really looking forward to a demo of Resident Evil this early. In fact, I've been looking forward to a demo of um, Street Fighter 4 more than Resident Evil. But nonetheless, I was very, very surprised a couple of weeks ago when everybody was abuzz about uh, Resident Evil demo coming out. And, you know, I'm very, very thankful for it. Now, okay, um, on to the demo. So, you know, going into the demo, how did I really feel about it? To begin with, even before I started the whole demo, even before I started installing it or downloading the demo. Um, you know, uh, I guess the main concern about Resident Evil 5 really was that it was basically going to be a Resident Evil 4 clone. Um, not that that's a bad thing, because Resident Evil has been given a lot of critical acclaim and praise, and it is um, acclaimed as one of the best games ever, perhaps. I mean, you know, um, together with perhaps, Ocarina of Time, it is one of those games that just did everything it was supposed to very, very well. Um, I am a fan of Resident Evil 4 as well, although I was one of the later, um, how should you put it, uh, you know, uh, I got the game quite late. I mean, perhaps even a couple of the, uh, a couple of years late. Um, I was able to play Resident Evil 4 only on my Wii already, which is kind of strange, which is, I guess, at least two years too late. Um, even then, though, I found it very, very compelling, very, very good, and amidst the hype and everything, I mean, that really is the mark of a real game, a really, really good game for me, is that, you know, even if it's been hyped up so much by a lot of people, you've seen so much from videos, you've um, basically talked to people about it who just, you know, raved about it and everything, and yet... Two years after all of that, when you finally get to play it, it still really holds up to all the hype, really holds up to all the praise it has gotten. And, you know, Resident Evil 4 is one of those games for me, definitely, as well as, I guess, MGS3. But, you know, that's another um, discussion right there. But yeah, definitely Resident Evil 4 was a hell of a lot of fun. I own two copies of it, the GameCube version, um, which I got way before the Wii version was announced, but... When the Wii version came out, of course, being a budget title and being the RE4 fan that I am, I did pick it up. But, you know, um, I was only really able to play the GameCube version all throughout. What I mean is, you know, I basically killed that whole game, got all the weapons I could. Although I don't really do speedruns in Resident Evil games anymore. Um, I did do that for Resident Evil 2. Uh, but then that was the end of it. I own um, Code Veronica as well for the Dreamcast, and the only other Resident Evil I own is Resident Evil 4, basically. I skipped 1, I skipped Nemesis as well. Um, I don't have 0. Oh yeah, I have Umbrella Chronicles, actually. Um, and then, what's that? I'm sort of missing one. I mean, I want, I really, really want Resident Evil 1, the remake for GameCube. Um, but, you know, um, I guess suffice to say, well, my point really is that Resident Evil is one of those series or series that really does deserve all the acclaim it has. I mean, um, Shinji Mikami really does deserve a lot of, um, you know, kudos, a lot of praise for this series. And, you know, as cheesy, I guess, as a story is and as supposedly trite it is, it's one of those games really that does what it does very, very well. Um, it has a very unique look, I guess, a very unique feel, you know, a very unique control scheme, very unique storyline, 
that's really all its own. Um, and like, you know, I mean, as much as I love God of War and everything, um, it doesn't have that unique feel to me. Um, even David Jaffe did admit it that um, God of War really was just, you know, a culmination, a sort of piecing together of really, really good game ideas from other games and just really putting it all together into one package. But for games like Resident Evil 4, I feel like at the very start, and if you watch the Resident Evil retrospective in, up in GameTrailers.com, you'll know that it really was a big risk risk, risk for Shinji, Shinji Mikami to actually create this game. It was very, very different. It was, you know, um, very similar to... Was it Alone in the Dark or something? I forget. Um, you know, the fixed in camera angles and everything of Resident Evil 1 and 2 and 3... And actually, it was Code Veronica that way too. But, you know, um, basically, it was supposed to be a horror movie made into a game. Um, you know, just how claustrophobic it feels, how very restricted your vision seems. And that's how, you know, horror becomes horror, actually. How horror in media is portrayed, actually. It's the limited amount of how should I put it, um, of stimuli given to um, the viewer, um, and then suddenly this, you know, burst of stimuli suddenly in terms of sound effects, in terms of visuals, you know, from silence, it suddenly becomes wee, wee, or something like that, and psycho, or what, you know, um, or, you know, suddenly gore and blood out of nothing, you know, it really is that, just the surprise factor, the, you know, the scare factor, really, and, you know, I have touched upon that previously, that games these days aren't really scary, but more of surprising. Um, Resident Evil, though, for me, and I might be contradicting myself from a previous episode, but, you know, people change. But anyway, Resident Evil is one of those games, really, that really scared me, actually. Um, not Resident Evil 4, and I don't think Resident Evil 5 is going to scare me in particular, but when I started playing Resident Evil 2... Remember, I remember when the first, I don't know what you call it, really, um, that red thing, that red bloody thing that you, um, it, basically the first boss uh, in Resident Evil 2, the thing that hung from the ceiling and went down and you had to shoot shotgun shells at it, that thing really, really scared me, so much so that after having encountered it for the first time, I didn't play the game for two months. So, um, yeah, uh, I, I don't know what it is really about the Resident Evil series that makes it, you know, I guess a little scarier than most. Um, really, the atmosphere is very different. It's not ghost scary, you know, um, which is what Silent Hill is for me. Um, it's creepy, but Resident Evil is just really, you know, you're very panicky. It's the quintessential zombie experience, um, unlike, I guess, yeah, Silent Hill, which is more of very ghostly kind of horror, which is completely different, if you ask me. So anyway, back to Resident Evil 5. You know, um, my point in bringing up all the Resident Evils up to this point is that Resident Evil really does have a lot to live up to. I mean, Resident Evil 5 has a lot to live up to. And especially after coming from Resident Evil 4, which sort of deviated from the whole 
zombie kind of feel, and yet still succeeded in what it wanted to do very much. And if Resident Evil 5 wants to take off from that and still really, you know, go even further away from the whole zombie theme, which is what sort of makes Resident Evil, if you ask me, is, again, a big risk for the Resident Evil team. Um, you know, so yeah, getting in, getting into the demo, that's all I could really think about that. How can this game pretty much live up to Resident Evil? How can... I mean, sure, the visuals look fantastic, and it's really cool that they want to do something in the daytime as opposed to nighttime, and it does re look really, really scary still. And, you know, given all of that, how can it surpass something like Resident Evil 4? How can it be similar enough to Resident Evil 4 to be a true sequel to it, and yet different enough that it doesn't feel like a God of War 2, perhaps, that, you know... It's all the same thing, just more of the same, but, you know, eh, something lacking. So, first up, I mean, you know, when I started it off, very, very nice. I mean, the atmosphere of Resident Evil really was there still, and the whole Resident Evil, followed by a number kind of thing, I really, really love that. I mean, they've always had that ever since, at least, at the very least, Resident Evil 2. Since I don't own Resident Evil 1, I don't know if they, it said that. But most likely it did. I think the GameCube version did. So, you know, as stupid as it sounds, especially when I played Resident Evil 4 for the first time, and it said, Resident Evil 4, which is kind of dumb. <laughs> you know, it, it kind of works for Resident Evil 5. Resident Evil 5. Or something. Maybe it doesn't work, I don't know. But anyway, you know, that whole introduction to the game, once you press start on the button and start a new game, it says Resident Evil 5. You know, it really does take you back to the whole, um, I guess, the majesty of what Resident Evil really is. And it really does make you feel like the team really does want to continue on the legacy of Resident Evil 4. So, yeah, um... Going into the demo, you know, I, I know a lot about Resident Evil already. I know I've seen so many videos. I've seen pretty much all the videos they've, t they've released. I have, um, you know, seen all the graphics already, all in HD. I don't download trailers that aren't in HD. So, you know, the graphics wasn't surprising. I mean, it didn't blow, blow me away at all. Um, although, I always do note when games really do look very, very good on my SD TV, And I think um, Resident Evil 5 is one of those um, games that really look really good even on SD. The scaling of the game really, really is good um, as compared to games, say, like um, MGS4 that really was designed for 1080p. I couldn't really understand all the text or anything. Um, Resident Evil seems to be, you know, made... Consciously, I mean, they were very conscious about um, the scalability of the graphics. I doubt it's 1080p. I'm pretty sure it's just 720p, but it really, really looks very, very good. Um, the whole burnt look from the sun, um, very, very, very nice. I mean, it, no other game looks like that, and you know, graphically, really, really good. Um, the only problem, I guess, is you know when you enter your inventory and you look at your items, it can look pretty weird, especially since I think they changed it up. The herbs don't look like herbs anymore. They look like some sort of syringe. I really don't know what it is. Actually, you know, 
it looks like a scalpel, to be honest, but I don't know if it is a scalpel, but I don't know, maybe if I I watched, I, I played it on an HDTV, maybe it would look a lot clearer, but right now I actually have no idea what it is, but, you know, that's the only gripe I have in terms of graphics. But anyway, uh, moving on, you know, I played through, there are two scenarios in the demo, one shanty town I think and the other one I forget first one so I've played through the first one died the first time around then finished it a second time then um, I still haven't finished a second scenario yet but I've gone through it three times uh, I, ha- I did encounter a bug somewhere in the second scenario I played through it um, and then when the boss was coming out the guy with a chainsaw and the you know sandbag or whatever for a head um, it hung, actually. When it was supposed to be no-loading stuff, it just said, now loading, forever. And it kept blinking for, like, a few minutes, then when I, you know, it was just way too long already. I said, enough is, is enough, so I reset the machine. And, you know, uh, nothing happened. I played through it again, and I was able to get to the boss, uh, no problem at all. So, anyway, um, it really does feel a lot like Resident Evil 4, in that the controls are pretty much there, um, how you interact with the zombies are there, the hordes of zombies, the amount of zombies that are there, and the less claustrophobic feel, the, um, you know, behind the character, three-fourths camera view is also there, and the sort of semi-quick time events that you have when you stun a zombie, then you press the, the square button, at least, and the demo, and you basically do... Uh, a melee attack, a punch, or a kick, or whatever it is. Very, very Resident Evil 4, and I really I really am very happy that they kept all of that, because those are the things I think that were done very, very well in Resident Evil 4. Um, I will note, though, that the very, very first thing I noticed in the game was that, again, the controls are very, very difficult. And while that is no surprise, because it is Resident Evil, I really do have to sort of call um, the development team out on this because it really does feel very, very clunky. Um, I don't really remember how it controlled in Resident Evil 4, and I should, maybe I should have checked it, but anyway, um, suffice it to say, I guess it's better that I didn't check it out because I can complain about it, right? Um, when you run, you basically have to press the circle um, and then the left analog stick to move around. Now, the right analog stick, as it with other games, is used to pan around, to dolly around your camera, around your, your, your character. Now, if you play other games, what people usually do whenever they move around is they use the left analog stick to move their character physically, and then, of course, to turn corners and everything, they use the right analog stick. At least that's how I play. But then, in Resident Evil 5, at least the demo, um... How it works is that when you're running around with zombies all over you, you can't use the right analog stick because you have to press the circle button, which is kind of strange, right? You have to press it with your thumb, and you use your thumb for your right analog stick. So how the hell are you supposed to run while actually really controlling where you're running to? You know what I mean? Um, I tried um, clumsily pressing the button with my, with my um, index finger, and controlling with the camera with my right thumb. And of course, that looks very, very stupid. And, you know, 
for me, it's a sort of bad design. Why can't you just map the run button to, say, one of the right shoulder buttons, right? And probably R2, because it's not really used. But, yeah, um... You know, I just don't understand. Uh, maybe you can map it to, say, L2 even. It doesn't matter. For as long as you're able to control your movement very, very well, then, you know, I, 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 I have no complaints. But basically, why the hell map it to a button that needs to be pressed by your thumb when moving around requires you to use your thumb properly? So, you know, I guess it's... It, saving Grace is really... The camera behind Chris is really, really set up well. I mean, the whole time I was playing it, there was I, there was no noticeable weird camera movements whenever I just used the left analog stick to move around. It pretty much pans very, very well. Um, I don't know what algorithms they use or anything, but basically whenever you turn a corner or whatever, when you turn the analog stick to the left and everything, the camera itself moves together with your character, if that makes any sense. But basically, you can move around pretty well with just the left analog stick. But your peripheral vision isn't really going to be all that great. Um, and that's where supposedly the right analog stick comes in. But it's kind of clunky because you want to run around while being able to look in your periphery, right? So anyway, um, still saving grace is, yeah, fine. The camera moves very well, even with the left analog stick. And I guess maybe that is part of the design of the game as well, because it will basically heighten your panicness while moving around, because there is a lot of limited stuff to it. So, you know, it's not supposed to be like an FPS where you have very a lot of freedom of movement. So I guess, you know, that might have been a very, I mean, a controversial design choice by the team. And why this is, you know, controversial. And I say it's a they were, you know, conscious about it because, you know, I'm pretty sure they were conscious of it because the control schemes found in the game, which were only A, B, C, and D, so only four, there is no customizable um, control scheme at all. Um, there was no option to actually take it out of the circle button, I mean, the run button. So, essentially, they want you to trade running for camera movement, or vice versa. So I guess, you know, it really was a conscious decision. And if their po purpose really was to make, you know, the survival horror atmosphere all the more heightened, then I guess, fine, fine. But again, just as far as controls go, and I guess that is not the strong point of Resident Evil, that is, it seems quite clunky. As well as, you know, whenever I tried to, with a knife... It was very, very difficult to basically slash zombies, it seemed. I don't know why. It seemed that I was very, pretty much stuck in one place, which is, I guess, how Resident Evil really is, that you, you, whenever you attack, you have to stand up in one place. But, you know, um, with a gigantic jungle knife like that, it seemed that sometimes I couldn't really reach all the zombies, even though they were right there in front of me or right below me. I don't know. It was very strange. I mean, speaking of the knife, the other control gripe I have is that, you know, um, we're used to games wherein you draw your weapon with one button, then you press another button for its primary functions, which is usually the normal you know, bullet burst, say, for a gun, 
and then you press another button while pressing the same, you know, um, prepare your gun button, and it'll release a bomb or a grenade or something like that. So games like this would be like MGS4 and Call of Duty 4, those things call, come to mind. But in terms of Resident Evil, they did something really, really crazy and mapped basically the attack button to one button and map, you know, um, the raise my gun button to one button and raise prepare my knife in another button, which is kind of strange, really. And again, there is no way to basically change this in the control schemes, and I don't understand why they had to do it like this, because why not just raise your gun and basically press one button to shoot your gun or press another button to prepare your knife, to, to swipe your knife, which is, you know, pretty much the same thing. Um, fine, so the graphic of actually raising your knife is different from when you're raising your gun, but come on, dude. I mean, it's just so strange. It's just so a little bit clunky as well. But, you know, again, hopefully they fix that, or at least give us the option in the control schemes prepared to basically fix that or even customize the whole controls. But again, I guess it might have been a conscious decision for the development team because, you know, there's no way to actually change it. So, anyway... But all of that said, the demo really, really was brilliant. I will tell you now. It's one of my favorite demos. Um, it would have been my favorite demo on PSN, but I will have to give it still to, say, Naruto or Pure, because those demos really do stand alone and really give you a good idea of what the game really is. And while the demo of... Resident Evil 5 is far superior in terms of quality over these other games. Um, it's just that a demo doesn't do Resident Evil 5 justice. It doesn't do a game like Resident Evil justice at all, because the beauty of Resident Evil really is having to play through the whole game, having to experience all the environments, all the bosses, collecting all the weapons, and really just attaining God mode eventually. And that really is the appeal of Resident Evil for me. It's a game that rewards you very handsomely. It's a game that really, you know, tortures you at first and eventually gives you a lot of toys to play around with and all these monsters, all these zombies suddenly become just so much easier to kill. When at the very first time around, you had s such a difficult time killing them. And, you know, that is really how great the series is. But, you know, what makes Resident Evil 5 even greater is that they added a lot of things to over and above Resident Evil 4 that really makes it seem fresh and new. Um, and I guess a lot of people are familiar with it already, you know, the whole co-op play together with Sheva. So basically, you play as Chris or Sheva, or I guess when you're playing alone, you always will play Chris. Um, but if you're playing with a buddy, you can either play Sheva or Chris. And it really does mix up the whole dynamic of Resident Evil a lot. I mean, it's much different from you know, say Half-Life, where you have Alex, or say Gears of War, um, because in Resident Evil, you, you play very, very sparingly. You play, you conserve a lot of ammo, you conserve a lot of health items and everything, and having an AI or another person play around with, um, it really does give you this sense of, hey, don't waste your, your ammo, don't waste all of that. I mean, in as much as they will help you, uh, I mean, it's very satisfying whenever Sheva, um, at least the AI computer, really does save me from this horde of 
um, zombies. And, you know, you, you hear her shooting and everything, using her submachine gun or whatever that rapid-fire gun was. And as satisfying as that is to have somebody there to help you out, you have to... Um, um, at the back of my, my mind, it was always, oh my god, you did save me, but then you're you're not saving enough ammo. I mean, as good a shot as you are, you just keep shooting everything and not doing enough melee attacks. Because, you know, to me, as a Resident Evil player... I'm one who conserves ammo a lot because I want to, you know, I'm sort of used to it because the big ammo, the big guns and stuff are supposed to be cons uh, reserved for the bosses because that'll make the boss fights a lot easier and because the bosses are way, way more difficult than normal um, zombies. But then now, you know, with less control over your munitions, over your resources, over your items, then that creates a very, very different dynamic for the game, which is very, very interesting, and I guess adds to the whole unpredictability of the game. Um, you know, you don't have all that much control over your character anymore, or what happens or transpires in the game, which, for me, is can be frustrating, because you, I want control over all the stuff I have, but it does create, admittedly, a very, very different dynamic, a very, very good dynamic, especially for a game like this, a survival horror game. Um, it's not like Left 4 Dead either, right? That you basically have um, a place where you can get infinite ammo. No, here you really share all your ammo and basically you have to plan out who has what guns. And how I played the demo really was I just had the handgun and basically gave all the other munitions to Sheva. Um, and you know, that creates a huge, huge difference over Resident Evil 4. And, you know, I will have to admit that, you know, um, I was worried too that Sheva might get in the way, perhaps sort of like Alex in Half-Life, where she blocked your path uh, a lot of times. But, you know, she didn't. And pretty, pretty amazing. And it's not like um, Elika in Prince of Persia, who is basically just you as well. I mean, you know, she doesn't get in the way because you're only one player anyway. You know what I mean? Um, the things that Elika does, the prince could have done himself. You know what I mean? The double jump could have been a double jump by the prince. But basically, they added this graphical element to make it more interesting. Um, but in terms of Sheva, she really is an independent AI. And um, from the demo, at least, uh, it really doesn't feel as if this AI companion or this companion um, does get in the way like other games so you know very very good very very cool and that is the biggest change I guess that I noticed um, but a very very welcome change and a very very interesting change I mean for the first time ever we will be able to play Resident Evil with a friend and that is something I really really do look forward to because I do have a friend who is I mean you know as big a, a fan as I am of Resident Evil 4, and it's just gonna be so much crazier, you know. Um, I actually don't know if I want to play through the game alone at first, or with a friend, because if I play through the game alone, um, I'll know all the surprises already, and, you know, I'll miss the screams you'll have <laughs> together with a friend, and, you know, uh, I don't know, um, so I guess that's something I'll have to decide later. So, you know, it creates this whole richness to the game. Um, it's amazing. I mean, I can't really say enough 
about the decision for of the development team to include this um, co-op play. I think it's a very very good decision, and I really do. And, and and from the demo, it really does look like it is um, you know um, paying off the risk and everything. And I really hope other people like it too because I really am looking forward to Resident Evil Six already. Um, another thing, another cool thing, a little a smaller thing, but other people might not agree with it, but I pretty much uh, appreciate it a lot, is the absence of the menu screen. Um, you know, from past Resident Evil, so you know that you can reload your ammo, you can combine your, your herbs from the menu screen, but this time around, you press the triangle button, and you, re you enter this sort of hub um, that floats around, but it doesn't pause the button. Uh, it doesn't pause the game at all. So... You know, um, in other words, you can only enter your, the menu screen um, whenever there are no enemies around. Um, it creates, again, that sense of panic, much like how they did it in Dead Space, wherein you, if you had to switch weapons, if you had to do some inventory stuff in the midst of battle, then you'll have to do it in real time. And, you know, as small an addition as that is, I think it really does add to... You know, the sense of panic, really, that they want you to experience in a game like this. So, you know, I'm, I think I've gone through length already about Resident Evil 5. And, you know, it's almost a 33-minute mark already. So, um, suffice it to say, it's really one of these games that I will buy on the first day it comes out. And I really am looking forward to it very, very much. I even am considering buying an, you know, HD... TV monitor for it, and, you know, enjoy it all the more in high definition. So, you know, um, there is no question about it, just pick it up, and you'll enjoy it for sure. So, okay, um, next up we'll have our next segment, which is Game Over. Welcome to Game Over. This week, if you haven't guessed yet, we will be talking about the Street Fighter series. So a little bit more Capcom loving for you guys. And, you know, why Street Fighter all of a sudden? Well, if you guys have been um, paying attention, Street Fighter 4 is coming out in a week or so. Um, last I heard, it was around February 17, the release date. And I am really, really looking forward to this game very, very much. So anyway... Um, I mean, I'm not going to talk about Street Fighter 4 particularly right now, but Street Fighter in general. Um, particularly the Street Fighters I've missed. Um, so what Street Fighters do I own in my library right now? I own Street Fighter 2, the original, and I have gone in length about how good I am in the game. And, you know, that's not to be boastful or anything, but, you know, it's one of those games, really, that I can say that I'm pretty, pretty competent and, you know, competitive enough. I also own Street Fighter 2 Turbo. Wasn't so good in that game, actually, to be honest. And that's pretty much all Street Fighters I have. Although, I have mentioned this before, Street Fighter 
does have a special place in my heart because it is that game that basically got me the video games and got me addicted to games that got me you know very very serious uh in my gaming um and you know that's why i was very very good at street fighter 2 basically because it just ate a lot of my r's and i just kept practicing and practicing and you know it, it sort of showed because um last week somebody in the office basically um brought street fighter um pre alpha and marvel vs. capcom um so you know um this office mate of mine basically thought that you know because we play a lot of dota and he's one of the guys who didn't play warcraft before so you know um i guess struggled um in basically being good in dota um so he, he his trail of thought was basically was hey what if i bring a game that these guys probably don't play and I can beat them up, basically, right? So he brought Street Fighter Alpha 3 and Marvel vs. Capcom and got his butt kicked again. So anyway, um, no offense, of course, but basically, you know, Street Fighter really is that famous. I mean, if you think that a lot of people, you can just beat up people in Street Fighter um, just because they might not play it, well, you're wrong because everybody plays Street Fighter. It's basically the fighting game for me. Um, it's the game, it's a fighting game that started all the fighting games. It's the granddaddy of all fighting games, essentially. So, what I guess Doom is for the FPS genre, then Street Fighter is for 2. Street Fighter 2 is for the fighting game genre. So anyway, you know, we just kept playing and playing a lot whenever we had breaks. And, you know, my Street Fighter 2 um, skills and techniques were still the same. Um, as ineffective as they really are for certain games like this, wherein you have a lot of other elements such as air blocks and supers and, you know, more chainable combos and everything. Um, and it's a lot faster as well. Um, and it, it worked pretty well because, you know, old school as my techniques are, they still work quite well. And I, I guess that is a testament to just how good Seed Fire 2 was back in the day because even until now... After all the balancing, after all the tweaks that has been implemented in the game, I mean, they still use pretty much the same kind of techniques with, you know, a little, little changes here and there, of course. But, you know, it was a lot of fun playing with everybody, and pretty much everybody in the office played Street Fighter. And, you know, it just brought me back to, to those days when, you know, street uh, fighting games were really king. Um, what FPSs are now, um, fighting games were around, I don't know, a decade ago, no, 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 uh, almost two decades ago already, perhaps 17 years ago, 15 years ago, um, everybody just wanted to join the Street Fighter bandwagon, everybody was releasing fighting games left and right, and of course only exceptional cases such as Street Fighter really made a mark or anything. It was a lot of fun, and you know, um... I played Street Fighter 3 as well, something I missed, actually, and I enjoyed it hell of a lot as well. Um, but, you know, Street Fighter is just very, very well done. I mean, in as much as the, uh, sorry, the fighting game genre is a little stagnant, I don't know, I mean, it just is very, very appealing still. It's formulaic, true, but... It's just so much different whenever you play with another person. Um, fighting games really are enjoyed more 
if you're playing with a friend or if you're playing with peers. Um, it's not really a single-player experience, and maybe that's why I don't have anything, any other Street Fighter game after Street Fighter 2 Turbo back in the Super NES days, because I basically turned into a hermit gamer after all of that, and, you know, fighting games weren't, just really weren't um, single-player games at all. I mean, what other fighting games do I own aside from that? I have Bloody Roar, I have... Soul Calibur for the Dreamcast, I have Dead or Alive 2 for the Dreamcast, and that's pretty much it, I think. Never gotten into the Tekken bandwagon or anything, but, you know, after playing, you know, Street Fighter Alpha and everything, it was just a lot of fun, to be honest, and I just couldn't really wait to get my hands on Street Fighter 4, uh, you know, can't wait, it's almost excruciatingly painful to have to wait for this game. And, you know, um, I don't know, it's just very, very intelligent design um, on the part of Capcom to do this. And I actually can't believe that whoever the game designer for this game isn't really known. I mean, I'm sure fanatics out there know him, and I should know him, or them, whatever the case may be. But, you know, it's one of those games that really, really is so good. I mean, for me, it's the game that developed, or at least um, made popular, the whole notion of, um, how should I put it, doing a motion on your D-pad, combining that with a button to create a special move, which is, you know, all and forgotten in these, in fighting games of late, because all the 3D fighters are basically, you know, a combination of a direction and a button, and on a particular, um, I don't know, moment in time and whenever you interact with certain characters. I mean, it really is all about timing these days. Virtual Fighter, um, Soul Calibur, Tekken, what have you. But, you know, Street Fighter, back in the day with all those crazy motions with the half-circle forward, half-circle backward, or quarter-circle forward, I mean, those were... That is what I think controls should be because, you know, it really is skill-based as well not just completely timing, but you know, it's just so much more satisfying to throw a fireball by, you know, um, doing a quarter circle forward movement, as opposed to say just tapping two fierce buttons or whatever, and say Soul Calibur or whatever, and do a special move already. I mean, there is something about doing motions on the D-pad that creates this, this much more satisfying feeling um, whenever you play a fighting game. And of course, you know, in as much as, I guess the problem, uh, especially in Street Fighter 3, I felt, everybody, all the characters seem to be the same. Um, and with the exceptions of the crazy characters, of course, like Alex and Hugo and um, that one-handed dude and that thing that looks like an alien, whatever. Everybody else seemed all the same. I mean, Yun and Yang are pretty much the same thing. Ken and Ryu, of course. And then, you know, Sean seemed the same, and all these... I mean, they look the same. They all look like martial artists to me. So, you know, that might be a problem, actually. Um, if there ever was any problem, really, with the design, it might be that all the characters seemed too familiar, but... and, you know, too similar. And I guess that, that allows them to balance a game 
a lot easier. But then, you know, uh, maybe they can do a lot better in that. Perhaps it's also a problem of the number of characters they have to do. I mean, in terms of variation and everything, of course, it's a lot easier to do something like an RTS, say what Blizzard does with StarCraft. Only three factions, you can basically make them so, so crazy, varied and different, but still be able to balance it well. But in fighting games, when you have like over 20 characters to pick from, I guess it's sort of inevitable that, you know, um, a lot of them become similar. And because, you know what I mean, especially whenever you count frames and everything, I could just, I can't imagine how they balance these games actually. How, you know, Basically, you tell them that, oh, this particular move should take this many frames or whatever. I mean, that's just freaking crazy for me. I mean, the QA for fighting games, I don't even know where to begin with that. But, you know, bravo to all of them. I don't know how balanced all the Street Fighter games are, actually. And, you know, I'm not one that counts frames, to be honest with you. But, you know, just the quality of these games and just how much fun they are with a friend. I mean, it beats out, you know, um, Wii Sports and any of the casual games, if you ask me. Because it's different when you're a hardcore gamer playing against another hardcore gamer. I mean, just the memories, just the nostalgia you have, just how satisfying it is to beat up somebody you know is as good or even better than you. It's just so much fun, really. Um, And I guess that's part of the reason why I'm looking forward to Resident Evil 4 as well, because you're basically playing with a competent um, friend with you. And, you know, that multiplayer experience really is taking off these days, and it is the right thing to do, if you ask me. Um, It really is, you know, going back to the roots of video games, which is really communal play, multiplayer games. And they should do a lot more of these things, actually. And, you know, um, it'll make me very, very happy and make a lot of ga- other gamers very, very happy. And, you know, perhaps the whole, you know, bad image of video games can, you know, sort of fade away because, I don't know, people seem to think that people who play video games are hermits, are antisocial, and they, you know, get easily, they're very susceptible to, to the violence that's shown in video games or whatever. But, you know, whenever you have healthy competition in terms of fighting games... It's a lot of fun, really. It really is a lot of fun, especially when, I don't know, I mean, wow, just watching YouTube videos of really, really good players um, of Street Fighter, especially Street Fighter 3, where they added the whole parry system is amazing. Um, That in itself is worth looking into, you know, if you know nothing about, I mean, you know, that's, it's worth knowing these things just to be able to appreciate all those crazy videos out videos out there. But, you know, um, I really am looking forward to this week actually going to work, as crazy as that sounds, because I'm pretty sure um, after work or whenever um, there is an opportunity, and, you know, some people will call each other out and play uh, a round or two, um, especially the ones who are very, very into Street Fighter, actually. Um, and it's a lot of fun, really. Um, you guys should check it out. I mean, all the Street Fighters are very, very good, to be honest. Um, and in as much as, you know, we don't, we don't abuse it anyway in the office, but, um, 
really do try to make sure that we don't have work. But hopefully tomorrow there is not going to be um it's not gonna be too stressful that um after six PM perhaps we can play a round or two or you know, um Street Fighter definitely looking forward to I mean Street Fighter four, I'm definitely looking forward to. And I'm very interested in how, you know, the focus attack is going to mix things up. And hopefully, you know, it's one of those games I'm really going to enjoy and really going to sit through and just keep playing and playing and playing and playing. And it's going to be a well worth the 3,000 plus plus pesos I'll be um, shelling out for it. So, you know, um, please Street Fighter 4 come out very, very soon. Really looking forward to it. And you guys, you know, go back. Go back to the old Street Fighters, the old fighting games. None of this 3D BS, you know. None of this, all this crazy automated stuff. Really, really hardcore timing and really skill-based playing. None of these button-mashing things, because that doesn't work. Tekken, that doesn't work. Button-mashing, uh-uh. But, you know, um, a game that's very accessible, um, like Street Fighter, really is good. Um, so you guys should check it out, really. Um... Maybe your local arcade still has Street Fighter somehow. I mean, there's nothing, nothing beats the feeling of beating up somebody in Street Fighter, to be honest. Because that is a legitimate win, no matter what. There is no button mashing, no guesswork there. Alright? So, um, that's it, I guess. Um, so, we'll move on to our next segment, which is Sandbox. So this week in Sandbox, we'll be continuing our Capcom-themed um, podcast and talk about the company itself, Capcom. But, you know, um, Capcom is probably the first company that I really fell in love with because I knew that they're the ones who developed um, Street Fighter 2. I remember those days when, you know, I just basically went to arcades. Couldn't really afford the arcades too much. Even back then, I was poor, guys. Um, you know, each play was basically three tokens, and the token cost three pesos. And during those days, that was very, very expensive just to play something that's completely new and pretty difficult at the time. I mean, I remember this guy who they just kept playing Guile, and the only time they could actually throw a special move was at the very start of the game, wherein they always made a sonic boom. And that was pretty much it for the for the whole game. I mean, you know... That's how innovative the whole control scheme of Street Fighter was. Not a lot of people could really understand it back then. But these days, I mean, it's pretty much everybody knows what that is. Everybody knows what a half circle is, what a charge move is. And as proof of how effective that control scheme is, look at other games that didn't employ the same control scheme. 
uh, <coughs> Mortal Kombat, Mortal Kombat. So, it, you know, it didn't work at all because it was very not fluid, very unsmooth. You know, it didn't really, it wasn't very descript of the move that was being done by the character, but, you know, um, even the motion of Ken or Ryu's hand as they throw a fireball really is sort of a quarter circle forward, and a dragon punch is sort of forward, down, down, forward kind of movement, right? So, you know, it does make a lot of sense, and it's not very flimsy. It's not like you tap a few buttons. It really is a motion. It doesn't, you know, um, release your thumb from the direction pad and, you know, creates a more seamless fighting experience. And, you know, that is what, to me, Capcom really is. I mean, just how very conscious they are of how they design their games. I mean, they might not have, you know, it's, Capcom is, you know, it's not a, it's not like you love them or hate them thing. I mean, everybody loves Capcom. I mean, you'd be crazy not to love Capcom. Um, I don't know, uh... Their genius, I guess, is shown in games such as Resident Evil, Street Fighter, Mega Man, and yeah, like games like Okami, which basically won a lot of um, Game of the Year awards back back in the day, and has a lot of other games such as um, you know Ghouls and Ghosts. Keep forgetting Ghouls and Goblins, Ghouls and Ghosts, or something. And you know, uh, of course, uh, there's a Beautiful Joe series as well, and of course, it has Breath of Fire. I, yes, Breath of Fire is Capcom, um, Strider, and all these other games, right? Um, but, you know, what Cap... I mean, aside from really making all these standout games, really, what makes Capcom so much more special to me now? I mean, you know, it was my favorite company um, back in the day. Then it became Square Enix when it was Final Fantasy. It was my fan- Final Fantasy um, phase in my life. Then it became Blizzard, which is sort of current. But, you know, um, to me, I think if I had to pick a company that I want to succeed, it would be Capcom, because I think Capcom, a while, you know, they do um, show a lot of technical know-how. They do show a lot of passion for their, their craft, much like how Blizzard, you know, shows their... their the quality in terms of the quality of their work. While Capcom does that, although, I guess, not on the same level as Blizzard, but, you know, Capcom does that. But what Capcom has over Square and Blizzard is really hard. Um, and to me, that is just a testament, really, to just how good this developer is. And it's not like they boast about it. They're very... They're sort of discreet about it, actually, to be honest. I mean, I've never heard anybody in Capcom really boast that their game is amazing, that their game is going to be this and that. I never saw Capcom really market their games like crazy or milk them out. It, they were very... They're always very, very conscious about everything. Um, all the movements in the industry, all the people. I mean, they know what... Um, their market, the core, their their core market likes, and they always deliver. They really do. Um, you can see this in games such as Resident Evil Five, for one, of course, and Mega Man Nine when it came out. I mean, who would do that? Except for Capcom, right? Who would do things like Bionic Commando, remaking that whole game into an XB, 
um, Xbox Live game and looked very, 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 very good. Um, you know, it's just crazy because, I mean, only a company with so much heart would really do all of these things, who would risk so much. And, you know, only great companies really do, great companies with heart really do, you know, um, what do you call this? Really do listen to their core audience and since they listen, then they get rewarded in the in the end. I mean, I'm pretty sure um, Bionic Commando did well. I'm sure uh, Mega Man 9 did well. And I'm sure Resident Evil and Street Fighter 4 are going to do well in the future. And, you know, while, you know, the shutting of Clover Studios is sort of sad, even though the games they made, Nokami, Beautiful Joe, were brilliant, to say the very least. Um, you know... That is just yeah, proof of just how great a developer and how much heart Capcom really does have. That they take risks, really. Um, examples of this would be Beautiful Joe came out for the GameCube first. Um, Resident Evil 4 was a lo- uh, an exclusive for the GameCube for a very long time. They also released Code Veronica exclusively for the Dreamcast for a very, very long time. And, you know, they just make all these crazy risks, really. I mean, Zack and Wiki for the Wii. And all these really crazy, wow, very, very crazy um, moves by a company that would otherwise lose a lot of money. But they usually don't. I mean, when Resident Evil came out as well, that was a very risky move, too. But, you know, again, it did them very, very well. And I don't know. I guess the reason why I want them to succeed over every other company is that they're good guys. They really are good guys. And I want the good guys to really, really succeed. And, you know, because I guess perhaps it's projection in my end. Because that's um, also where I see myself that, you know, in as much as it is very difficult, I guess, to try and be a nice guy. And I'm not a nice guy, to be honest, (laughs) you know. Uh, a lot of temptations here and there, of course, but, you know, the decision to be nice, to play fair, to just work hard and deserve what you get, I see from this company. I see from Capcom very, very much, and I really do want them to succeed more than anybody else um, because they just take so much risk, and it's not like they have loads and tons of money like Blizzard just floating around. They, you know, they're just a developer who just... I guess, loves what they do. And they take their rewards that they're given. They're not, you know, very, very amazing rewards. Like, I guess, wow. I mean, it's not runaway successes like that, but still success enough to keep doing what they do well and be rewarded for it. And I guess, you know, it's a very, very good balance for that company. And I really am happy that despite, you know, the recession and everything, Capcom is one of those companies that seems to be doing quite well still. And I think this year is going to be very, very healthy for them. I mean, sucks that, you know, the games, the big games that they're releasing have to come out in recession. But, you know, honestly, I don't think the recession will um, affect the sales of these two games um, a lot, to be honest, because these games just have too big a following that everybody's just going to buy. The people that they expect to buy the game will buy the game, and hopefully a lot more. And, you know, hopefully 
a lot of people who aren't familiar with, say, Street Fighter 4 or Resident Evil 5 would listen to this podcast, please do listen, and be convinced that these games really are worth all the money and much, much more. I mean, you are basically buying history here. Um, history in that you're going to be buying games that have a long legacy, that, you know, I mean, that have a lot of history in them, that, you know, they took a lot of lessons from previous games and iterated and basically really made uh, a new game and a better game. And history, because I'm pretty sure these games are going down in history to be one of the better examples of fighting games and survival horror games. Period. So, you know, um, Capcom, just to prove to you once and for all just how you know, much of a fanboy I am of Capcom. At the very start, really, when I played video games, um, when I played their games, at least, at Street Fighter, um, my name, at the very end, whenever you signed your high score thing, remember, it was only limited to three characters, I always signed my name as Cap. From Capcom, of course. <laughs> it eventually became Ace, because that was so much easier to type down. <laughs> There's no letter P or anything there, but, you know... That's how much I loved Capcom back then. Played a lot of Mega Man, played a lot of Street Fighter. And, you know, it's kind of strange now that whenever you don't enter anything during the, you know, high score thing, it automatically turns into Cap. So, you know, um, just a little trivia. Uh, and, you know, it, it makes you feel good because that used to be my name as well. So anyway, um, I guess that wraps it up for this week. Um, special Capcom edition. So... Hopefully you guys enjoyed all my ramblings and everything. Hopefully I convinced you to buy Resident Evil 5 and Street Fighter 4 despite the recession. Um, it will, they will be, I'm pretty sure, much, much more worth it than even Killzone. Although I've heard Killzone has really good multiplayer. But anyway, that's for another podcast. But anyway, guys, thank you again for listening. Um, again, it's dokan.gamer at gmail.com in case you're interested in email me or private message me or whatever, or of course, you can just post on the blog. And of course, for you guys who don't even want to go to the site anymore, um, Dukang Gamer really is actually available in iTunes. So just go to the store, type in Dukang Gamer, and you can subscribe to it already. Um, I will try to put, put um, a picture of the, of the podcast there someday, whenever I get time or, you know, the energy to do it or what. But, you know... For those of you who don't want to keep downloading it from the blog, you can always do it up in iTunes. And I guess that's it. So thank you again for listening, and I'll see you for episode 13 next week. I still don't know what I'm reviewing, but stay tuned for that. Okay, so have a, have a nice day, guys, and check out all those Capcom games, and enjoy. Happy gaming, all right? See ya.